Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, movies. Joining me this week is a very special guest to the show, my wife, Carly Davis. How are you doing on this fine Saturday evening we're recording this? I'm doing wonderful, baby. How are you? I'm hanging in there, hanging in there. I'm a bit sore from my first week back to the gym. Mm, that's right. Yeah, but other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm very relaxed. I'm in a very, very peaceful mood right now. Why is that? Well, semester's over, so oh, nice. I did nothing at all today. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that 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 is very relaxing for you. Mm-hmm. Incredibly. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so before we get into our main topic this week, uh, you know, you know, what's some cool stuff aside from Pirates of the Caribbean? that you've watched this past week that you would recommend? Well, I think I mentioned this maybe two times ago that I was on, but I started watching Grey's Anatomy over again about maybe a month ago, and then I laid off for a little while, so I haven't been watching it this whole time. Um, but I really picked up with it more this week. So I have been on seasons 14, 15, and 16 of Grey's Anatomy for the last few days. And I've really been enjoying it. Um, I never watched past the uh, tragic McDreamy accident in the past. So this is all new content for me. I'm not familiar with where the show is going. I'm very upset that Meredith never listens to me about her love life. But, (laughs) you know, I guess that's the hazard. So that's where I've been. Um, You and I also watched a couple movies together. So We did. We did. Um, yeah, I've enjoyed watching you watch those shows and periodically just walking by and asking you random questions. It's very annoying. <laughs> if you're not going to keep up with the plot lines, then you really shouldn't ask questions. <laughs> My favorite is, oh, who's that? Okay, well, what happened with that? <laughs> yeah, it's infuriating. Oh, God. <laughs> so, like you were saying, we've watched, you know, a couple movies together. Um, so, I've... I've watched a couple of things. Firstly, I watched the new Josh Trank film Capone starring Tom Hardy. Uh, it was very, it was a very interesting film and I look forward to sharing my thoughts uh, on that with you guys on Instagram, on my Instagram page. Um, in short, I really dug what the film was going for, even if it was a bit, you know, disorienting to its detriment at times. I get that it, that's probably what it was going for, but sometimes it kind of took away. Um, Tom Hardy crushes it, though. He is absolutely fantastic. Um, secondly, I watched The Aeronauts, an Amazon Prime film starring Felicity Jones and Eddie Redmayne, and I found it delightful. That thrilling. one was really good. Right? It's it, it puts you right there in how you would probably feel if you were that high in the ground. It's just the scariest environment imaginable well so much suspense and i love eddie redmayne always so fun fact he was uh, or at least he auditioned for kylo ren yeah no yeah i don't no thank god adam driver did that would have ruined him for me (laughs) it wouldn't have ruined him for me but it's certainly interesting it's interesting i don't know if he could pull it off as well I don't, I don't think he could. I mean, Even, it, would, it would be a different version of the character. I mean, he's an Oscar winner. He won an, an Academy Award for The Theory of Everything. Um, so I Maybe he could have pulled it off, but yeah. Adam Driver is tough to beat. Um, I'll also be sharing that review on my Instagram page probably later on this, this week. Um, 
The biggest thing, however, and the biggest news for me this week was the the future release of the Snyder Cut on HBO Max for Justice League. Uh, look, I know it's not popular to say, but I I say what my opinion is opinion is, and I, I don't say what what's popular, and that's that I think Man of Steel and the Ultimate Edition of BVS are both masterpieces of the comic book genre. It's so unfortunate, you know, what happened with Zack Snyder having to leave the production of Justice League after the the tragic loss of his daughter. I don't blame the guy one bit for leaving to focus on his family. That being said, I look forward to seeing Zack Snyder's true vision realized, even if that means it ends on a cliffhanger, because I know Justice League was set up to be a part one of part two. So it's likely to end on a cliffhanger. And that's fine with me, because we'll probably never see the part two. But I just want to see his true vision realized. And I couldn't be happier for Zack Snyder and for all those people who were positive fans of the release of Snyder Cut movement or whatever. Because they raised a lot of money for suicide prevention in honor of his late daughter. That's very nice. It's very good, I think. Um, anyway... So, with that down and out of the way, let's get into our movie this week. Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, in honor of our theme for movies that remind me of summer. Woo! Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, came out on July 9th, 2003, and is directed by Gore Verbinski and stars Johnny Depp, Jeffrey Rush, Orlando Bloom, Kieran Knightley, and Jonathan Price. If you're not familiar with Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, the Plot synopsis reads like such according to Google. Captain Jack Sparrow arrives at Port Royal in the Caribbean without a ship and a crew. His timing is inopportune, however, because later that evening the town is besieged by a pirate ship. The pirates kidnap the governor's daughter, Elizabeth, played by Kieran Knightley, who is in possession of a valuable coin that is linked to the curse that has transformed the pirates into the undead. A gallant blacksmith, played by Orlando Bloom, in love with Elizabeth, allies himself with Sparrow in pursuit of said pirates. Honestly, the plot synopsis reads a little weird. It does. Calling the medallion a valuable coin is, I mean, technically sure, but I don't feel like that gets it. No. Um, It's, it's... It's a little weird. But like we do every week before we get into our first experiences with Pirates of the Caribbean, I'd like to say why this movie reminds me of summer. You know, firstly, much like a movie already covered that we already covered on this, this podcast, Aquaman, this movie is a high sea swashbuckling adventure film that starts and does not stop until the end. It wonderfully blends different genres like adventure supernatural horror, slapstick comedy, romance, all creating a wildly entertaining, fun, and outrageously good time at the movies or while watching it at home. Secondly, and probably most importantly, this movie reminds me of The Beach. Like I said last week um, on our Point Break episode, I grew up my entire life uh, visiting The Beach, and in fact, I lived there for almost two years uh, after high school. During my time living there, and also countless times visiting there when I, you know, when there would be like summer thunderstorms uh, would take me away from the water. I would always pop on one of these movies to pass the time. 
it never failed to entertain, excite, and to honestly take me away to escape to the Caribbean. To me, this is one of the more entertaining films ever made, boasting incredible and visual effects, at least you know for the time. Uh, Oscar-worthy performances, more on that later, and some of the most memorable lines in cinema. So with that being said, Carly, when was the first time you saw this film, and how does it compare to how you feel about it now? I think I saw this this movie in theaters probably pretty close to when it came out. Um, this is one of the few that I, I think I actually have a concrete memory of seeing it for the very first time. So I think I saw it with my friend Alicia. It was in 2004, so we would have been in about 8th grade, 7th or 8th grade. Um, and uh, I just remember us walking out of the movie theater and her commenting on how attractive Orlando Bloom was. And I think that this was the first time that we had like that that collective crush on an actor experience that uh, we were just kind of getting to the age where it was okay to do that or where that where it occurred to us to do that. So I think that lasted until Troy came out as my timeline right there. <laughs> That makes sense because he plays such a he plays Paris such a pansy. Yeah, well, and and Eric Bana is has been my true love ever since Troy came out. So even over me, yes, it's, it's, it's just a sad truth. I mean, I hope he never hears this. But <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that was the first time I saw it. But like you said, this has just been one of those movies that I watch all the time. The whole series I really love, and it's. It reminds me of summer, I think, because of how relaxing it is. And it just puts you in a good mood automatically. And it's... You would put this movie in the relaxing category? Yeah, it's, it's I, just cheerful. I mean, I would put it in the comfort category. Relaxing is, is different, but... I mean, okay, so there are some movies... You and I go back and forth about this all the time because some people don't know this. But we like to uh, have a movie on, on our phone on Netflix when we go to sleep. Or on Disney Plus or on whatever streaming service we happen to have. Um, but you like to have this movie on or one of the pirates movies on when we go to sleep because they're fun and cheerful and everything, but they kind of give me bad dreams because they're scary, kind of. (laughs) Um, so I wouldn't say that it's relaxing in that way, but it, but it puts you in a good mood when you watch it. Yeah, it really does. It, it, It just, it lightens you up. It's just, this isn't like a, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, a very deep movie. But it's just a very... Well, honey, the water has to be deep. Otherwise, the ships don't can't Jesus. sail in it. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. No. It's not a very deep movie, metaphorically. But it, it, it is a fun movie, nonetheless. And it, mm-hmm. it is... It, like you said, it, it puts you in a good mood. Um, the first time I saw this movie um, was a couple weeks after it came out, actually, at a matinee showing with... My mom, my brother, and um, my sister. Um, not my oldest sister, but my other sister. Uh, I remember I was super excited because it had Legolas from Lord of the Rings in it. Of course, yes. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, I was a big fan of Lord of the Rings at the time. Um, and the Disney Channel had really been hyping it up. And at the time, I watched that show or watched that channel religiously. And... And this isn't as important, but kind of like you, sort of. I had a very big crush on Kira Knightley at the yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to. Yeah, she was she was my first celebrity crush that then got replaced by Jessica Alba. Typical, <laughs> of course. Hey, you can't hate. You had a crush on Orlando Bloom. 
No, it wasn't that I had a crush on Orlando Bloom. It was that everybody had a crush on Orlando Bloom. Yeah, I'm going to throw my sister under the bus here. She had several posters of Orlando Bloom, including a calendar in her room. That's not weird. (laughs) But no, I mean, everybody felt that way. It was because he was just young enough, I think, when Pirates came out that it wasn't weird for preteen early teen girls to be really into him yeah I, like i remember like my sister and a lot of like my oldest sister and a lot of her friends they were more into johnny depp as jack sparrow yeah yeah there's definitely a dividing line there because your oldest sister is what four years older than me she's seven years older than me so so four years older yeah. than me yeah whereas holly is closer to my age so i think that that dividing line makes sense yeah i just but going back to the movie, I was just—I remember leaving the theater. I was just shaking with excitement. You know, my, my brother and I were already, you know, quoting the movie back and forth at each other, um, and we're trying to to find the action figures, which they didn't make for this movie until like uh, I think like two years later or something like that mm-hmm. with the NECA figures. Um, anyway, I'm getting to the the nerdy aspect of collecting the action figures. But anyway, as opposed to the not nerdy aspect of collecting the action figures. Listen. Oh, sorry, guys. I broke him psychologically. <laughs> Listen. Every man has his vices. And my vices, more my vice, one of my vices, is collecting action figures. I have a plethora of Star Wars action figures and a few others. <laughs> <laughs> um, my Harry Potter wand is next to us. I don't think I get to judge. No, not at all. Uh, it's just, you know, this movie, it just, it casts such a magic and and charm that makes it just very irresistible it seeps into your skin and channels that really inner adventure within us all plus johnny depp as jack sparrow is one of the best performances ever you know it's just so iconic and it's beyond iconic at this point and he was you know he's forever ingrained into the pulp pop culture zeitgeist for that performance this is probably one of the biggest like you were talking about it's one of the biggest comfort films and i just really adore it yeah i agree yeah if you had to guess what do you think the rotten tomato score on this movie was i'd probably guess pretty high um i don't know i don't have a good sense of the average for rotten tomato scores but maybe mid 80s uh close um Pirates of the Caribbean holds a Rotten Tomato score of 79% with the consensus being may leave you exhausted, like the theme park ride that inspired it, which is not true. The theme park ride is not exhausting. However, you'll have a good time when it's over. Huh. See, I don't find this movie exhausting at all. I, I see where they're coming from, though. Like, this movie starts, and as I was taking notes, I was noticing there's not a lot of, like quiet moment it starts and then does not stop it keeps going well right but like you said it's, it's not, like a roller coaster it's not real deep though no it's not it's not it's it's very it it's it's light um when i see where they're coming from i mean if this were my personal score i'd, I'd move it up to probably roughly about 85 95 percent um like we were talking about this movie is not very deep by any stretch but what it does it executes you know very flawlessly it's relentlessly entertaining from start to finish, and like I, like I was saying, it never really has a dull moment. I agree with the assessment that this movie can be exhausting, but if a movie like this were to slow down at any point, I think it would become a problem 
to the pacing and overall hinder the movie's main goal, which a movie like this is to entertain. Right. I mean, I think it would be exhausting if it slowed down, if there were those doldrums <laughs> of, just, of just times where, you know, you're doing a ton of extra character development that's not really needed in this movie or things like that. Like, I I think the pacing really works. Yeah, I, I think the pacing is one of the reasons this movie works so well. Um, like I said before, this movie is one of the more fun, entertaining films I've ever had the pleasure of seeing and has stayed really consistent with me over the years in the sense that my opinion really hasn't changed on it that much. It's, it's pretty streamlined since I saw it in the summer of 2003. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I have less of a crush on Orlando Bloom now, but... I, I still have a crush on Kira Knightley. As you should. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might have more of a crush on Kira Knightley now that I have on Orlando Bloom. Just, yeah. Yeah. But she's, she, to, to quote a movie she's in. Oh, no. It's going to be Star Wars, isn't it? <laughs> no. She's, well, she is in Star Wars. I know. She is in episode one. I know, because I know things. Yeah. Because you're married to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is 100% of the reason why I know that. Um, no. I, I, to quote a movie that she's in that happens to be one of our favorites, it's, it's Pride and Prejudice. Ah, yes, She course. has bewitched me, body and soul. Mm-hmm. Yes. As she does. Yes. Mr. Darcy. All right, let's get on to some fun facts. Uh, at around the two hour and ten minute mark, one of the film's lines, Bring Me That Horizon, hmm. was conceived by Johnny Depp the morning the scene was filmed. Oh, that's such a feel-good moment. I yeah. like it. Well, it. It breaks in very naturally. You know, and it's 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 one of my favorite lines from the movie that also inspired one of my favorite band's names. Bring me the horizon. No kidding, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. It's a very good band. Alrighty, uh, Ted Elliott and Terry uh, Rosio. Rosio? I don't even know how you say. Not a clue. God. Don't know who you're talking about. Anyway, he, one of the the great writers of this movie. Gotcha. Yeah. Um have said in interviews that they wrote the script in the early 90s. Uh, somehow, Steven Spielberg, the greatest director of all time, in my opinion, got a hold of the script and wanted to direct the film with Bill Murray, Steve Martin, or Robin Williams playing Jack Sparrow, but Disney did not give no. permission to the film to be made. Okay, so of those, I could get on board with Robin Williams. Robin Williams could play. Cause he, like, this Robin is what Williams I- could play anyone. Robin Williams could play Batman I miss, and, and be the right choice. I, I miss him so much. I know. I, I, I miss him so much as, as an actor, as a performer. His golf stand-up bit is probably one of the funniest <laughs> bits ever. Yeah, my dad quotes that all the time. Um, Hook is fantastic. He probably has one of the best monologues ever in Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what a great movie. Hopefully we can get around to doing this on the podcast, doing that one. Um. But I do find this fascinating because Steven Spielberg went on to direct the aforementioned Hook in the early 90s with Robin Williams. And, you know, to me that turned out to be one of my favorite childhood classics. So maybe Pirates of the Caribbean maybe would have been kind of similar. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to decide if I think they have a similar feel other than the pirates, obviously. But They, they have that adventurous feel to them and kind of a Disney flair, even though I don't think Hook is a Disney film. Hmm. Um, and Steven Spielberg, as far as I'm concerned, 
I mean, every director has a bad day at the office. I don't know what his was. I, I have enjoyed most of his filmography. It's very diverse, too. But definitely no Steve Martin. No, um, no. Much to I love Steve Martin and De Niro, right? That was the other one you said? No, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Okay, no, not the same person. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love both of them very much, and they should not be Captain Jack. No, no. I, I, I can see Bill Murray pulling off the kind of drunk... I was just going to say that. What's his Part. name? Um, oh, oh, the guy that says my favorite line. What's his name? Gibbs. Yeah. I could see Bill Murray as Gibbs. Yeah, I could see him as Gibbs. He's more of a Gibbs. But in the early 90s, he definitely would have been Jack Sparrow. Okay, fair enough. You and I don't remember the early 90s because we were. Well, you would remember it more so than me. Okay, well, I existed, but I don't remember it. <laughs> It was a mid-90s baby. Um, This was the first PG-13 release under the Walt Disney Pictures label in the United States. (gasps) Scandalous. Very scandalous. The Walt Disney Company, however, was released or has released PG-13 and R-rated films under the Touchstone Pictures and Hollywood Pictures labels uh, since the 80s. Uh, I remember this kind of being a big deal. Um, well, yeah, I mean, there are, like, not subtle references to rape and prostitution just kind of all over that. Yeah, there are. Um, it's It's got some scandalous stuff. It's got more blood in it and more violence than most Disney yeah. fare. Um, but I do remember calling it at a young age that this would be a PG-13 movie. I remember me and my brother at the time were debating, and he's like, oh, it's going to be PG, it's Disney. I was like, nah, PG-13. All the way. It's got swords and all that stuff. People people die. Speaking of Robert De Niro, he was initially offered the role of Jack Sparrow, but declined, thinking the movie wouldn't do so well at the box office as many other pirate movies in the past. He was proven wrong, and so he accepted the role of Captain Shakespeare in a movie that you and I love. Oh my god, that is one of my favorite De Niro Stardust. performances too. I think that's like the third time of that this has been brought up on this Here's podcast. Here's the thing, Stardust is relevant in all contexts, for all purposes, <laughs> all the time. It's so good, it's so good, and he is fantastic he in is. that movie. Yes. Um, oh my god, can you imagine Captain Shakespeare as Captain Jack? Because that would just be a totally different Pirates franchise. No, 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 no. I don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my head forever now. Uh, you know, like, thank God, though. Because, like, look, I love Robert De Niro. He's one of the greats uh, in terms of, of his acting. But Jack Sparrow becomes a completely different character under him. He probably wouldn't have been as charming or as goofy okay, with that you edge of seriousness. Know. You have to picture, okay, the intro scene to Jack Sparrow when he's gliding on the sinking ship into Port Royal. Robert De Niro in his chemist just swinging gracefully around the mast, <laughs> like dancing with it. No. Hard pass. Hard pass. I don't want it. Oh, God. I'm so glad this went to Johnny Depp. Yes. Uh. Okay, Johnny, Team Johnny Depp forever. But I'm, I would watch a remake where Captain Shakespeare makes his appearance. Yeah, that would be an interesting crossover. Um, but... I think this is the coolest fact about this movie because I was so, like, teen Johnny Depp when the 2000... This is when I really got into, like, Oscars 
was around this age. Mm, yeah. I've been keeping up with it ever since. Uh, this was the year that Lord of the Rings tied the record for most um, Oscar wins. I think like 11. It swept every category it was nominated for. So I was super pumped about that because that's like one of my favorite films ever. But I really wanted Johnny Depp to win Best Actor, which brings me to this. He was nominated for Best Actor, but lost to Sean Penn for Mystic River. Never saw it. It's a terrific movie. Um, the first, like, 20 minutes or so are very difficult. There's the scene where Sean Penn finds... I don't want to spoil it for you. I mean, it's the main plot line of the movie, but... Does anyway. he find the Mystic River? No, he finds his daughter dead. Okay, well, that's a sharp left. Yes. And it's one of the best acting, like, best acting scenes I've ever seen. Sean Penn kills it. But this is unpopular amongst, you know, my circles of, like, film nerds and stuff. But Johnny Depp should have won this. I'm sorry, one, one great scene does not get you an Oscar. And when I think of Oscar winners for Best Actor and Actresses, I think of roles that stand the test of time and are memorable long after they've been portrayed. No disrespect to Sean Penn, who is great in Mystic River and is great in almost everything he's in. Um, If you were to go up to any random person on the street and ask them, Hey, have you ever seen Sean Penn in Mystic River? No one would probably remember or be able to give you a response. Yeah, to be fair, I couldn't. Exactly. If you were to ask, you know, about Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow, almost anyone would know and remember. And that's, to me, that's greatness. When people remember you. Yeah. He is iconic and absolutely fantastic in this role. You know, people forget that when Depp took on this role, he wasn't a household name yet. You know, he he was pretty... He was a very respectable actor in the industry who chose, you know, really odd yet, you know, very good projects that were all very different to each other. But, you know, this was Johnny Depp throwing himself into unknown territory, being in a, you know, pretty much a family film, you know, which is a, a, you know, a large left turn considering most of his filmography beforehand. Um, and he did, you know, he did so by fully becoming Jack Sparrow and really throwing himself into the performance uh this performance really stands the test of time and when i look back at that year it's no question johnny depp should have won to me yeah i mean i don't have a strong opinion obviously on mr forever having never seen it but it is a great movie jack sparrow is one of those characters that just everybody recognizes and everybody loves he's obviously a flawed character he's a complex character but you know he's one of the reasons people spend all the money to go to to uh, Disney World, and one of the reasons that pirates kind of made their resurgence. So, yeah, he's he's just really really good, and and I hate to say it again, I and I don't mean to harp on Sean Penn, but he also won Best Actor in two thousand eight, a year that, in my opinion, I don't think he should have won, or for the year two thousand eight, um, he won for playing Harvey Milk, um, mm-hmm. in the movie Milk, which is a Great movie, but Mickey Rourke from The Wrestler. Great performance. I have no idea what you're talking about. (sighs) I need to introduce you to The Wrestler then. And to uh, Milk, which is also... Milk I've seen. You've seen that? Yeah. It's a great movie, right? Mm -hmm. It is. 
Alrighty. Um, before we get on to our award section, we're going to take a quick break to let you hear an ad from our sponsor. And we are back. Thank you to our sponsor for being a sponsor to our show. It really it means, a, means a great deal to me. Alright, we are moving on to the award section with first off the bat with top five favorite scenes and moments. This is in no particular order. We'll choose the, the winner at the end. Alrighty, we're going to start off with the introduction of Jack Sparrow. What do you think about this scene? I think it's classic. I mean, it's pretty early on in the movie, so it really sets the tone. It helps us get to know who Captain Jack is. But, all right, so we're clear, when we say introduction to Captain Jack, we're talking about him gliding in yes. on the sinking ship, which we find out later that he stole from Zoe Saldana's character, right? Yes. Is that the same boat? Anna Maria. Anna Maria, right. Um, yeah, so the boat's just kind of gradually sinking, and you see him bailing it out, and then you see him standing on the mast, and, um, welcome to Port Royal, Mr. Smith. What do you say to three shillings, and we forget the name? <laughs> and then he steals the be- the coin purse. <laughs> uh, this is without a doubt the coolest introduction of any of my favorite characters. You just know from the get-go what type of character this is without him even having to say a word in the opening Mm -hmm. you know he's cunning lucky a gambler and even though it seems like he he's always kind of in over his head and isn't prepared he's always in control and one step ahead and also mostly drunk right definitely definitely (laughs) drunk definitely adventurous um i'm always curious about what happened that's causing the boat to sink and why he's in port royal to begin with and yeah he just kind of arrives there um my favorite shot from this you know you kind of talked about it is and i kind of relate to it is when he's just riding in at the top just looking full steam ahead super confident as his ship is sinking and then as you know it gets to the dock it's just at the perfect height for him to just step onto the dock. Mm-hmm. It is a metaphor for my life. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> just barely coming in. Oh, God. I'm always late to, like, everything. <laughs> I just love this scene and introduction. I really do. All righty. Moving on to number four with Jack's escape, which leads into Jack versus Will. To me, this is, like, one big scene. Yeah. And it plays as one big scene. I I love this scene because it just shows, you know, Jack isn't just a smooth talker who's good with words, but he's also someone who's not really to be messed with and can be quite dangerous. You know, the way in that that, he's totally psychotic kind of way. Yeah. Um, He, he, the way that he, you know, he turns the tables really quick on Elizabeth when he's like holding her hostage. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden after that, he's like very charming again with, you know, you will always remember this as the day that you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow. Right. You know, uh, it's just it's 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 so great, and it's one of the more iconic lines in the movie too. Not to mention this scene is ridiculously fun, and and with the you know the amazing score kicks in, but the scene really carries over into one of the best moments uh, in the film, which is you know Will versus Jack in the sword fight. You know it's playful, it's entertaining, and it shows that Will isn't necessarily as clever as Jack, but he might be a better swords fighter. Yeah, I mean he's he's Will Turner in a in a very I don't know. I feel like Orlando Bloom plays characters with similar traits often. Kind of has a Jon Snow effect. Um, he's he's a good fighter. He's 
obviously like socially competent and things like that but he's not as savvy as jack he's not as world-worn and um you know he doesn't he's he he's a little bit too idealistic to really be in the situation that he's in yeah he he's he's in the the pure hero that hasn't had the world beat down on him yet right right when we get to the third movie and we're not talking about the third movie but when we get to what he kind of grows into in a little bit he does but he's obviously uncomfortable with it no um and i like that jack clearly has this kind of mentory approach to will from the minute he meets him you know he's, he's kind of ribbing him a little bit he's he's teasing him and everything but he's also kind of teaching him as they go yeah that shot of him you know like oh that's how's your how's your footwork right and then he says, first I step here, then I step here. Clearly trying to get out to his back uh-huh. to the door. And then as soon as he does, Will just chunks the sword and hits it, you know. Yeah. At some <laughs> that point, is a wonderful trick. <laughs> like, we have to talk about the fact that Will Turner is clearly superhuman because he throws the sword and gets it sto- so stuck in the wood that Jack can't pull it out. But then he also throws the sword straight up later in the same scene when they're on, like, the seesaw thing, remember? Yeah. And then Jack is hanging on it with his full body weight, and the sword is still stuck in the wood. Like, what kind of Hulk throw <laughs> maneuver did Will Turner just execute to get that blade that stuck? Well, I guess he just got it, you know, stuck in the wood. Right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a eunuch. <laughs> You're not a eunuch, are you? <laughs> yeah. At some point, we should talk about the various problematic things that Jack Sparrow says. <laughs> you need to find yourself a girl, mate. <laughs> so fantastic oh god I, the I, poor donkey the poor donkey gets burned in the ass if you will <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a it, it's a fun scene and it also ends with you know because jack is very playful until he's not right you know when he's telling him you know please move this shot is not meant for you mm-hmm. you know he doesn't want to it clearly shows that even though jack is willing to bend the rules He's not what I would call a bad guy, per se. He has a moral code to him. Right. And we've been saying the movie's not deep, and that's true. But we do get to see this feature of Will. First, when we first meet him um, in the governor's house. Well, when we first meet him as an adult in the governor's house. Where um, Elizabeth's father is praising the sword and, and saying what a good job Will's master must have done. When we know that Will actually created the sword himself. And then he spends all this time fighting Jack, and the blacksmith again plops Jack on the head with the bottle. After being, like... After being passed out drunk. Passed out drunk. Yeah. For all the noise and... Yeah. But but he gets all the credit for it again, and we kind of see why going into piracy or why um, being dissatisfied with his lot in life is a very real thing for Will's character. Because he works so hard, and he puts so much effort into things. Like, even comically much effort into things and yeah. then and he never gets the credit that he deserves right. his, from his boss always anyone gets he kind of he kind of gets put down mm-hmm. always um i think it's a he's beneath us kind of mentality right it's definitely a, a classist kind of kind of thing yeah and you you see why because i mean he kind of had you know his like he says in the scene after he uh, uh captures or, or breaks free Jack and they're on the interceptor and they're going to Tortuga or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's telling them, you know, like, you know, after my mother died, I came out here looking for my father. And then obviously his ship exploded or something happened. Right. Well, it got sank by the Black Pearl. Yeah. 
And so he hasn't really had anything or anyone. Mm-hmm. And that pirate blood, I guess, runs in his veins because his dad is bootstrapped. Indeed. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on to number three, the Black Pearl versus the Interceptor. What do you think about this scene? This scene doesn't stand out to me as much as some of the other ones do. Tell me why you like it. Well, it's... To me, this is why you go see movies like this. You know, it's a, it's a fun, adventurous, it's, it's thrilling. The way they load the guns up with whatever they can find after they've unloaded almost everything, trying to outrun the Pearl, is just one of the most pirate things you could think of. You know, Jack stopping... Or Jack saying, you know, stop blowing holes in my ship. <laughs> you know, it's one of the, the one of the funniest lines in the movie. It always makes me laugh super hard. Barbosa stepping into the crash sail as it's falling is just really badass. And Jack escaping back to his ship in Jack fashion is right, of course, hilarious. It's just, I mean, it's it's again, it's the reason why you go see films like this for the fun, the action, for the adventure, and it's just great swash. It's just a great swashbuckling sequence that has very fun character moments interspersed between them, like character interactions. I should say. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's just it's it's a very active scene. I'm never too big on the action moments anyway, but you're right. You you do get some really good character moments in there some some people fighting the way that they fight yeah and the most most amazing thing is that this it, it looks like it's mostly practical mm-hmm. all the stuff that happened and you got to imagine that's super expensive i didn't search what the budget is on this movie if i had to guess i'm not even going to attempt to guess but yeah maybe like 130 million not a clue oh no i'll have to google that later but uh yeah, it's just it's a it's a fun scene. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoy it. It's the big you know action sequence on the water. Yeah. Um, number two, we have Jack and Elizabeth get marooned on an island <laughs> and get drunk. <laughs> it's just it's again it's not like a big action set piece or anything like that, but it's the the interaction between those two that makes me laugh really hard. It's. It's a really hilarious scene. Not only do we find out that the sea turtle story that we heard up at the beginning, how Jack roped a bunch of sea turtles with human hair from his back is <laughs> fake, but that Jack's luck is so good sometimes that the island he was marooned on for the first time was actually a rum runner island, and he was just stayed there for three days lying on the beach drinking, which sounds like a great three days to me, personally. Well, except for the hangovers. And yeah. You can ha- imagine that would be unpleasant. The hangover would be terrible, especially with the morning he wakes up. Right. You know, after they've gotten drunk or whatever. I, I also love this scene because we see throughout the film that Elizabeth isn't, you know, just a damsel in distress, which, you know, a lot of these movies get a lot of flack for. Mm-hmm. But she can also handle herself and is, is very resourceful. She... Because honestly, she's playing Jack the whole time in order to get him passed out so she could create this huge signal fire to the Royal Navy, even though I think there's, you know, some problems with that, to see... Disagree. So she could get rescued. See, that's one of those things that, about this scene. Like, the first few times I saw this movie, I kind of questioned Kira Knightley's performance in this scene because it seems like poor acting, right? 
But then you realize it's a really talented actress playing a person that's not a very good actress pretending to be drunk. Yes, to a very drunk person. To a very drunk person. Yeah, yeah so it's the interaction between them is really, really funny. Um, and also the way that Elizabeth kind of maintains her integrity while lying to him and, you know, puts up puts up boundaries that uh, Jack Sparrow is pushing there. Yeah. Very interesting. To the Black Pearl. <laughs> he just downs a drink and he's out. Yeah. You can see, like, Jack, Jack starts to get handsy and then she's like, Mr. Sparrow. I don't think I've had enough rum to allow that kind of talk. Like she, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I know exactly what you mean, love. And then he does like the the mustache cur- twirl, curl up with his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, going away from the the funny aspects of this scene, though, like it, we hear Jack explain why he loves the pearl so much, and honestly, it's it's very poetic and it's very sweet. You know, he just. Jack is such a free spirit, he just really, really wants to be free. And mm-hmm. him explaining why he loves the Pearl and why to him it's freedom because it allows him to go out to open sea and do what pirates do. Yeah. You know. Which really drives with what we learn later about how he that might that's probably in the second movie, but how he lost the Pearl and mm-hmm. everything like that, his uh his commitment to freedom. Yeah. He just wants to be free. He does not want to be held back by anybody or anything. Um, also, in this really funny sequence, going back to the funny part, why is the rum gone? <laughs> it's, I get that. I, I, <laughs> That's one of those classic lines that just everybody repeats when they when they hear this movie. Why is the rum gone? But why is the rum gone? Like he's not <laughs> concerned about the food, the shelter. He's concerned about the rum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alrighty, and moving on here to the last sequence we have written down. It's the final battle. Um, what do you think about this final battle? And by final battle, we're talking about in the treasure room. Yes, right? we're talking about the Isle of... The Isla de Morta. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love this scene. I love the, the futility of the fight between Jack and Barbosa. The fact that they're both aware of this... <laughs> So what's it to be, Jack? Two immortals locked in everlasting combat until Judgment Day and trumpet sound, and or you could surrender. Yeah. Like, hmm? Or oh, you could surrender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like the teamwork by Will and Elizabeth, even though that seems kind of implausible. Um, How? Well, I just I don't feel like the the four pirates that they were fighting would wait for them to toss the pole back and forth before attacking. Oh uh, well, yeah, but it's it's. <laughs> I know it's sweet and everything, and yeah, and plus, will I think I was I didn't do research on this, but I think from from this is just from memory. We were talking about how good of a swordsman Will is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I think I remember in one of the commentary tracks that I listened to growing up, one of them were saying that Will is the best swordsman in the movie. So him taking on three pirates. Makes well, sense. I'm not worried about him doing it independently. I'm saying with when he and Elizabeth are like tag team, like a tandem kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem like that. It seems like that would take up too much time. But it's cool because it teases them being a great team and teamwork. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I like it. And just the way you see the strategy play out there with Jack becoming immortal and then breaking the curse. Yeah, and... the couldn't resist me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to me, you know, this shot. Like, the shot of all the crew of the Black Pearl going underneath the water and walking is fantastic. 
But like we were talking about, this scene really starts when Jack starts his honest man spiel, you know? Honestly. Honestly. You know, you can... It's me, I'm an honest man. <laughs> I don't I don't know the, the spiel. No, it's me, I'm dishonest. Yeah. Um, what, is, what does he say? Even... Honest... And, and, a, and a dishonest man, you can always trust to be dishonest. Honestly. honestly. It's yeah. the honest ones you really got to watch out for. Because you never know when they're going to do something incredibly stupid. Yeah. It, you know, it's just, it's such a great monologue. And the way the score kicks in, once Jack shows his true colors and that he really is aligned with Will, and he has been the entire time, mm-hmm. you know, is it's just fantastic. From then on, this scene just flies with such fun velocity, and it's it's fast-paced action and visual effects that, you know, still hold up even to today's standards. You know, I really also appreciate Jonathan Price as... Um, governor swan oh yeah with the skeleton arm gag because to me it's just it's priceless and it just seems to me like he's just having the time of his life as mm-hmm. a performer it's it's so great you know like as you were saying to the real veal that jack had taken one of the medallions in order to fight barbosa is such a great reveal and it's foreshadowed perfectly in the the previous scene you mm-hmm. know um yeah i think this time when we watched it through together that exchange between him and will where he was saying, like, where he first takes the coins and then he says, wait to break the curse until the opportune moment. And he's talking to Barbosa, but he's also secretly talking to Will. Yeah. And there's that nice little tension there. And Will sees him take the mm-hmm. extra medallion and kind of, he does his fingers like that. Like, he does several times in the movies where he kind of does his hands like that. It's like a tick. Right. And then puts it, mm-hmm. puts it away kind of cleverly. Yeah. And I think in that moment, Will is starting to realize, too, that he doesn't fully trust Jack yet, but he's starting to see the plan and yeah. give him a little bit of credit. Yeah. Um, but to me, the big payoff is when Jack finally gets his revenge on Barbosa. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Barbosa's end is it's you know very poetic because he is first enlightened by the fact that he feels you know because he talks about you not you know I feel nothing not the spray of the sea. Uh, not the wind. Not the my, wind on my face, or that, the spray of the sea, or the, or the warmth, warmth of a woman's oh, flesh. Creeper. Yeah. <laughs> so creepy. See, there are so many references to like sex and prostitution, and I understand that they're pirates, and that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah, but, but they're so subtle, you wouldn't pick up on it right. as a, like when I watched this movie when I was nine. Picked up on none of that. Right. You know, so it's tastefully done. It's not done in a way that's like, eh, you know, yeah. a little questionable. I will say that moment where uh, where Barbosa gets his, and he's I, I feel old, cold. I thought he said old. I think he says cold. Okay, well then that's gonna ruin it because I swear I spent a solid I don't know fifteen minutes. I didn't commit a whole day to it, but <laughs> <laughs> looking for a meme of him just saying I feel old because I wanted to post it at the end of the semester because I just felt like. That was that was my truth in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> You've been through all of this hell and you're finally dead, like dead for real. And you can just feel your your age and your weight and everything just crashing on you. No, he says I feel cold because he's dying. I think he feels old because he's lived too long. No. He's not ancient. The the medallion only like makes them a skeleton. They're not actually old. 
Well, I know, but they like he like, he says he feels cold because he's dying, and it's the first time. Like when when you're dying, you know, from what I'm told, anyway, you start to feel that coldness come on, especially like after you've been shot. Because he he got shot directly in the chest and almost dies immediately. And it's that it's the performance of Jeffrey Rush that's really cool because you know he says I feel, and then all of a sudden he goes cold, and then you know he falls back and I dies really in a very so dramatic way. Because Barbosa is just the most dramatic, I think. Yes, yes. Barbosa is the drama queen, for sure. Yeah. Alrighty, so what do you think is the best scene in this movie to you? Okay, now we haven't covered my favorite part of the movie yet, though. What's your favorite part of the movie? My favorite part of the movie is the introduction of Gibbs, where he says my favorite line from any movie or television show ever of all time, which is, Curse you for breathing, you slack-jawed idiot! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> blast i'm already awake <laughs> that was for the smell <laughs> <laughs> that line is just something that i want to say all the time like anytime somebody wakes me up or like 30 other times throughout the day is just curse you for breathing you slack jawed idiot because it just encapsulates a lot of emotions that i think are really important <laughs> is that wrong i don't know if that's okay <laughs> well i mean it's not really a scene or a, it is a moment. And it's it, a moment, yeah. yeah. And, and it, it is. And it's a Gibbs moment because you really see, like, there was superstitious Gibbs that we met in the opening. Well, he's scene. still superstitious. Right. Very superstitious, as opposed to being a little stitious. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so, we, so we see him, but then we see really how far he's fallen. But how funny that character is. Every line out of that character's mouth is just gold. He plays that role so well. I, I really like that actor as Gibbs. Him as the through line with Jack in the other two movies, or after three, mm-hmm. um, really help carry those movies. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. But aside from that, what is your favorite? Of the scenes we went through, I really think probably the intro to Jack. I'm sorry, not the intro to Jack. The fight between Jack and Will and Jack's escape. Yeah, I I think I'm going to have to agree with you. Like, because it's once that... Because the introduction of Jack is is really... The the opening of the movie gets you engaged and everything. Really Mm -hmm. channeling those horror vibes. um, And those creepy, eerie vibes. Right. Um, But I think the movie has your intrigue... Once you see the introduction of, of Jack and how great that is. But the movie really starts when you have Jack escaping, which leads into the battle that he, or the sword fight that he, which is a battle, that he has with Will. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the, the tone setter for everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of carries on, that kind of tone carries on throughout the film. So. Yeah. And that's where we really fall in love with our two main characters, I think. Yeah. With with Will and with Elizabeth and with Jack, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I, I, I really, really dig that scene. So yeah, favorite scene goes to Jack escaping and Jack versus Will, which is like leads into that scene. Nice. Yeah. Alrighty. Least favorite moment and or scene. I really only have one thing for this. Um, I know what yours is, but... To me, it's the opening title. It's very quick, but it's it's just very weird and abrupt and open. It's a very weird and abrupt open. 
it, it, it's kind of like a, it, it is a cold open. It's always thrown me off because mm. it just starts. Yeah. There's no like Disney logo before the movie. It just Pirates of the Caribbean, Pirates yeah. of Black Pearl. And then you. You do really miss the Disney opening. Yeah. And I think you get that in two and three. I think so too. Yeah. I think I remember the pirate ship in the Disney logo in one of them. Yeah. I don't know. My my least favorite scene is on the Pearl after Elizabeth has been abducted where we first see the crew as skeletons and everything like that. That scene has always bothered me because I know that the things that they're doing are typical ship's activities, but they seem too heavily choreographed in a way to like scare her and push her around the ship. Like especially the blanket toss really bothers me. What? Because like that doesn't make sense. Why? Why? They're... I know that they're cleaning off the blanket. Yeah. But, so she falls in there, and then they, like, toss her up and toss her up, and it's It's like a, very playful and like a theme park ride. It fits with the, the, with the theme of the movie being almost like a theme park ride. Uh, it's very playful. It's scary, but not so scary that younger kids can't watch it and be kind of amused by it after a while. Right. It just, it it feels like a dance to me, and it feels like it... I get that. I think that's why I like it. I don't know. It feels too scripted for that moment for me. Yeah. But, small nitpick, that's okay. Yeah, mine's more of a small nitpick, but, I mean, I don't... It just, it, it always throws me off guard. It catches me off. I'm just like, what the hell? I've always thought it too. Like when I first saw the movie, I was like, "Where's the Disney logo?" <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I don't think that we can give it to the pirate ship scene because you like that scene so much. Well, I do, I do, and I, I think a lot of other people too too like it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I, I do see where you're coming from. Okay, so logo. I'll go with Logo. Okay. You good with that? I'm all right with it. Okay. We'll go with Logo then. Alrighty. Best acting performance. This it, is a... Yeah. yeah. I mean, this how could it not be Johnny Depp, right? Yeah, this is Johnny Depp. This movie largely rests on his shoulders, and if the character of Jack Sparrow doesn't work, and Johnny Depp doesn't go all in and create a lot of the character himself, we may not be talking about this movie the same way that we are talking about it today. Absolutely. You I know? mean, all the other characters are solid. I like the performances by everybody. Yeah. But this is a Jack Sparrow film. Maybe that's why there's no Disney logo, because it's actually a Jack Sparrow film. <laughs> you know, it's it's my belief that it's because of the success of the character that it spawned four sequels after this and has made a grand total of $4.5 billion. God, that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's insane. As a franchise, it's made that much money. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think the second one was the highest grossing movie of two thousand six, um, and I know the third one was either. I know it was in the top three in two thousand seven. I, I think it's either that or Spider Man three, maybe a Harry Potter movie. I'm not sure, but these aren't questions. I know the answer to. Yeah, but I know it was it was definitely in the top five. But I digress. That that franchise has grossed so much money. And, you know, as I said in our fun facts, in my opinion, Johnny Depp should have won Best Actor 
for this role, and in my opinion, like he, he should have won. He was nominated. He should have won, I think. Mm. So, best actor, Johnny Depp. Yep. Worst performance. You know, if if I if I may, like I tried to think of one of one for this award, but honestly, I couldn't. No, I, I, I can't think of anybody. The monkey. Maybe. Yeah, like even he's cute. He is. He or she is cute. I believe it's a boy monkey, and I believe that the monkey and Kira Knightley had personality conflict problems. If I remember the uh, behind the scenes commentary well. Really. Yeah, I have a very vivid recollection of Kira Knightley just going, "I want to kill the monkey." <laughs> 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 it's such a cute monkey, though. Well, yeah. I mean, as, as far as undead monkeys go, that's probably the cutest one I've seen. Well, when he's undead, he looks creepy. But mm-hmm. until then, he's kind of cute. Um, but honestly, everyone in, does a really good job in this movie and does their roles very well. Yeah. You know, there isn't one actor or actress that sticks out to me as being bad. I agree. You know, so this award will go unhanded this this week, I believe. Rightfully so. Yeah. All right, so I have a couple of questions in the does this make sense category. Uh-huh. I think we're going to fight about this. That's okay. That's okay. That's why we're here. Um, can Commodore Norrington give Governor Swan a direct order like he did when he goes, you know, lock yourself in my office, that's an order, or lock yourself in your chambers, that's an order. I, I forget the thing he says, but he does Barricade give him, yourself in my office. Yeah, barricade yourself in my office, that's an order. You know, can he do that? I think he can because it's... Okay, so I know precisely nothing about how any of this works. But I think it would make sense if Commodore is a military position and he is the guy that's in charge of the defense of the base, then he'd be able to give orders to everybody. Governor is a civilian position. He has no military authority. No, but he is the the protector of the city. Or not the protector, but he's the, the governor of the whole right but that's a port royal you know governor of the port right but that that's not a military position that's like a, a civil position you know as as much as i do on this yeah we're, this is total conjecture i feel yeah. like we could have googled this <laughs> but it's just it's always struck me as weird because i'm like he's a governor i don't know I, I don't again i don't know enough about this to say hmm. but i thought it was interesting to bring up because i've often wondered yeah you know Alrighty. If the moon is out while Elizabeth is first being taken to the Black Pearl by uh, Spatel and Reggetti, mm-hmm. wouldn't Elizabeth see their true form at that point in time? Yeah, you'd think so. Because is the moon out? The moon is out once. Um, the moon is out. You see it come out, and then Jack has that encounter with. Mm. With them in the uh, prison. And then it goes back to Elizabeth being taken to the boat. Mm. So you're thinking, okay, in between then the moon is out. Because before then the clouds are covering the moon. Right. But then when the moon is out, you would think, okay, they can... They probably see them. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could have conceivably stayed in shadows or whatever. Did Elizabeth have a hood on? No. Did they put a thing on her head? No. No? I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, as cool as it is, would Jack and Will be able to hold down that boat slash 
life life raft or whatever they would call the it. The canoe thing? Yeah, the canoe. Mm. Uh, to create an air pocket of that size, that deep underwater. I feel like that would be kind of tough. Yeah, I've always wondered about that too. Because like back in the day when you know I used to have a pool, I used to try to like do that. You can't hold anything down like that. No, it 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 probably depends on how heavy the canoe itself is. Like if it has enough weight. Yeah. Um, it also depends on how heavy the person is and how strong they right. are. And Will and Jack are not heavy people. Well, see, I don't think they'd have to be that strong. I think they'd have to be heavy. I don't know. It's very difficult. I think we all tried to do it in pools as children. I don't no. think we necessarily had the right equipment to carry out that experiment. No. So it's it's hard to say. I, 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 don't, I don't think that that's possible. Mm-hmm. But it is pretty cool. It is cool. Um, how does the Black Pearl sail without, with rip sails? Magic. It's a cursed ship. But the ship, the curse is on the people, not the ship, The right? curse is on the ship, too. Oh, yeah. Because at the end of the movie, the uh, sails are back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sails are only ripped up in the moonlight. That still makes no sense to me. How would the ship move? Well, how do the people move without ligaments and stuff? Now we're just creating holes in the entire movie. Well, the holes were in the sails. <sighs> now, now it's in the movie. <laughs> now it's in the movie. <laughs> All right. It's... It, they're basically zombies, right? So it's okay, a zombie so, ship. So we have it as magic. Yes, magic. Okay, okay. And I don't. I think that that's within the canon huh, of the movie. <laughs> right? It's it's a magic ship. It's a curse ship. That's just how it goes. That curse of the Black Pearl. Right. Yeah. All right. How does Will survive the explosion on the interceptor when he's trapped below? Yeah, I don't know about that one. I mean, I think we're, we're led to believe that he swims down accidentally and is therefore away from the explosion. I don't know if I'd buy that. And then he, obviously he swims out and gets to the other boat very quickly. Right. Like almost abruptly. Right. Or maybe he swam out from underneath before the explosion. How would he do that? I have no idea. Yeah. That's, that's never never been explained. Yeah, I have questions about that. Yeah. And this one, to me, I kind of hinted at it earlier in one of our favorite scenes. Why would Elizabeth light a fire to all of her and Jack's supplies on the island? All of them. I get the rum. Because it is a vile drink that makes even the most respectable men act like complete scoundrels? Yes. Yes. But the food and shelter? Okay, so here's the thing. Jack says food in that scene, too. How much food can there possibly be? Listen, you're stranded on an island. Food is food. Well, right, but there can't be any good food anyway. If the rum runners have been gone for that long, unless it's something that they hunted, in which case they could hunt it again. Well, I don't think there's a lot of life on that. Right, so there shouldn't have been any food anyway. That's my bigger question. In the does that make sense, I think the bigger problem is that there was food in the storage at all. Well, remember what we were talking about yesterday. With the salt being used to preserve meat and stuff like that. Well, right, but it's been forever in, like, super hot conditions. Yes, I, I get it. But, like, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, like, no. There's no, food would not have lasted that long. There's no way. But he did say food. Well, he's drunk. And not anymore. He's hung over now. <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> he's, he said food. He's crazy. 
but like, why would she do that to to the food and the shelter? That is dumb. And furthermore, what are the odds of them being found based off of that fire? How like where are they in the Caribbean? How would the um, Dauntless is the Dauntless? It's the Dauntless that happened yeah. to find them. But Elizabeth does say the whole Navy is looking for her, which I think is a reasonable statement considering that she's the governor's daughter and she's been kidnapped by pirates. Yeah. So presumably there's a fleet of ships that are all sailing around this area that can't be more than, what, a few hundred miles? It's the sea. Why well, I understand this, but it's not the whole ocean. It's the Caribbean. Yeah. Well, what's the Caribbean? Like 300 square miles? I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. I am. I'm trying to visualize a globe. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it's reasonable to expect that a thousand foot signal fire would be seen by those ships. Yeah, but it's not that big. Like, it's a big this, fire. Well, the, it's not the fire, it's the smoke. Yeah. But Which I, perhaps answers the question of why she had to burn all of the other things to create a very smoky fire. Yeah, the, why is the rum gone? Why is the rum gone? I still think that that was a, like, you can... The rum I get, setting like a big fire, totally get. I do not understand burning the shelter and the food on a whim that maybe one of the ships will find you. Again, I really don't think that there was food. And as far as shelter, it's like, it's the Caribbean. They, any shelter that they would need, like they'd only need shelter to, to protect them from storms and stuff and... That wouldn't have been in that pile anyway. You know, there's nothing sturdy enough there to actually help them. Well, they had that, uh... The hole in the ground. Yeah. Right. But there's no evidence that she burned the hole in the ground. Just the stuff out of the hole in the ground. Yeah. But it's she still... He says you burned the shelter. So, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah. I That, to me, has never made sense. And it's always been, like... My biggest issue, because she is a very smart character throughout. She has her moments because she's young, just like Will has his moments because he's young and and not as experienced in this world. And she grows and evolves throughout the series, similar to Will, um, even becoming a pirate lord. <laughs> Mistaken for Calypso. Yeah. Um, but that that has always, I don't know, it's always been kind of a problem. I her. think it was an excellent plan. As evidenced by the fact that it worked. It worked, but it almost didn't. <laughs> I don't think we have any evidence that it almost didn't work. Remember, it must have been terrible for you, Jack. Well, it bloody is now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, so what do you think would be the does this make sense award? What do you think is the biggest logic issue? I think probably the the moonlight thing. When Elizabeth is first kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, you seem to be such a, a bit... You gave me the, the worst uh, scene, so I don't want to poo-poo on, on, on what you on what the, the scene you just said. So we'll, we'll go with that, since you gave me... Well, what would you give it to? The worst scene. I would give it to Elizabeth doing the... the no, fight. they... It works, though. You can't give it to that. I wouldn't. I would give it to that though. That's a terrible plan. It worked. It did work, but it was a terrible plan. It's not a terrible plan. It's making good use of the options. 
she should have you know just used the the rum and the shelter or not the the shelter but the rum and everything else not the the shelter anyway moving on i i I will say I, I I agree. If the moon is out while Elizabeth is first being taken to the Black Pearl, wouldn't she see their true form? Is kind of a a big thing because mm-hmm. it it would take away from the surprise of her seeing it in your least favorite scene, right? On the ship. Yep. So, yeah, we'll go we'll go with that. Since you gave me the uh, worst scene, I'll, I'll I'll give you this. I think that's fair. Thank you. I appreciate that. Alrighty, an MVP of the movie. Who, who's the MVP? I mean, I'm always going to give that to Johnny Depp. Yeah. Shine it up. Mm-hmm. Shine it up. You know, this is clear to me. And it's not even really a contest, to be honest. Johnny Depp really carries this film, and without it, it wouldn't be the same. I know there's talk of doing a, a reboot with Karen Gillan, the girl who plays uh, Nebula. Oh, cool. And she's in Jumanji, and she's in a bunch of other stuff. She's she's great. I, I'm a huge fan of her, but I hope they still make room for Johnny Depp and kind of have him be the Mad Max to her Furiosa for this next series of Pirates movies where Jack is there for the adventure, but she's the main focus. Mm. I, I would be on board for that. I don't want to see reboots of Pirates of the Caribbean where they have a different, you know, because Jack is just... I know, like, uh, the fourth one on Stranger Tides, and uh, which ma- still made a billion dollars, and um, Dead Men Tell No Tales weren't as, you know, people weren't as high on them as they were the first three. Because yeah, that's where we lost Will and Elizabeth, right? Yeah, well, well, Will comes back in Dead Men Tell No Tales, mm-hmm. and so does Elizabeth at the end. But it, there, there was something missing with those two movies i think that the first three had and i think johnny depp deserves another shot at playing captain jack i really do because he's just he's so great in that movie he is and like we've been saying all along he's the one that makes it he's the one that sells this crazy adventure story yeah he really does all righty so mvp of the movie goes to johnny depp all right to recap the awards for the evening Best scene goes to Jack's escape slash Jack versus Will. Least favorite moment or scene goes to the opening title. Just really abrupt. Best performance goes to Johnny Depp. Worst performance doesn't go to anyone because there's no bad performances in this movie. Uh, the Does This Make Sense award goes to... If the moon is out while Elizabeth is being taken to the Black Pearl, wouldn't Elizabeth see their true form? And the MVP of the movie goes to Johnny Depp. Excellent list. Excellent list, yes. Alrighty, guys, that brings us to the end of our show for this week. Um, Both of us, actually, will be back next week to discuss a film from my favorite film franchise ever, with Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Wait, you like Star Wars? It's okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's okay. It's it's okay fiction, you know. Of course, right. I'm more of a Star Trek kind of guy. You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> 
those of you who haven't been in our basement, it's covered in Star Wars posters. And I mean covered. It's because my wife is awesome. And for Christmas this year, she got me all the Star Wars posters. Episodes 1 through 9, including Rogue One. Because she's a boss. Well, and, and they're awesome. But... Yes. And it, and it also it felt odd doing movies, you know... That remind me of summer and not talking about, you know, the movie that really kick-started the, the summer blockbuster season with Star Wars that came out, you know, 1977. Mm. And and the reason I, I chose The Rise of Skywalker to talk about is because, you know, there's a lot of stuff I really want to get off my chest about with this movie, you know. I, it really impacted me as a, as a Star Wars fan in a positive way. Um, and it's my, it's my second favorite film of the franchise even and that's not a recency bias thing that's just the way it is it gets better and better each time i watch it it's Mm -hmm. i love what chris terrio and jj abrams did with that movie you do have strong feelings about that movie i do i do i i i really love it again chris terrio is a writer i i don't know what it is about his writing style i'm really just something about it i really love you Mm -hmm. know going from argo Batman v Superman. Um, hopefully, I get to see more of his writing and less of Joss Whedon's. No offense to Joss Whedon in Justice League, the Zack Snyder um, cut that's going to come out, which hopefully will be good. Um, there's just something about his writing style I, I really dig, and he really gets Star Wars, in my opinion. Um, but until then, be sure to leave a comment and rate us on Apple Podcasts, it, it helps us out a great deal. While you're at it, why not go ahead over and subscribe to this channel on uh, any listener uh, for podcasts um, to keep up with all the latest content. And, you know, follow me on Instagram at Ben Davis Movie Podcast, where I'll be posting reviews for Capone, The Aeronauts, and the movie I have not seen yet, uh, Lovebirds, which came out with Camille Maggiani, who is hilarious. The trailer for that keeps playing whenever I open up Netflix. It's very annoying. (laughs) That's my official review. I, I'm really excited for that movie, though. <laughs> um, anyway, guys, till next time, stay classy.